Before the two knights left on their dangerous quest, they sought out a famous blacksmith that could make a shield to protect them from any attack. Welcome to Secrets for an Awesome Life. You ever see someone living a pretty awesome life and wonder, man, do they know secrets that I don't? Yes, yes they do. And this podcast is about those secrets. I'm your host, Joey Massio, certified life coach, educator, and counselor for teens and young adults. Welcome to my show. Hey, everybody. This is the last Bully Proof episode for the month of October, going along with National Bully Prevention Month. I hope you've been finding these episodes helpful. These concepts have helped me and many others I've coached become more resilient to the bullies out there in the world. If you haven't shared the podcast on social media this month, I would encourage you to do so to help other people who are either teens or who have teens or a young adult who are feeling bullied get access to these mindsets and tools. Just simply throwing a link on a quick post on Facebook or Instagram would increase the chances that someone who needs help will see it. And now episode 54, The Shield of Humor. Sir Bravestone and Sir Strongbeard, two valiant knights, sat in front of the fire of the greatest blacksmith in the Seven Realms, Phineas de Bergiac. They came to the best to be equipped for their upcoming journey. Legend tells that a knight who used a shield from Phineas wouldn't receive so much as a scratch during combat, even with the fiercest opponent. They watched as Phineas pounded and shaped the metal before their eyes. The shields he was making for them were different from any other shield they had ever beheld. Rather than being one piece of metal, it was three. All three fit together to make one large shield. And on each piece, Phineas had crafted a symbol. As he handed over the shields to the two knights, Phineas explained the importance of the unique design. Right, these three pieces are made from different magic materials. Connected in this fashion, they create a stronger bond than one solid piece of ordinary metal. You need all three for the shield to be effective. This one here has the symbol of the art, represents love of self. This one over here with the lone tree represents strength and uniqueness. And this one at the bottom with the upside down jester represents being a loser. Sir Strongbeard at this point interjected. I'm sorry, what? You want us to carry the symbol of losing into battle? I think not. All three pieces are vital, barked Phineas. Do not detach any piece or the shield won't provide you the needed protection. Sir Strongbeard was about to protest again, but Bravestone put a hand on his shoulder and nodded toward the blacksmith. Understood. Thank you for your valiant work and dedication to your craft. We accept these shields with honor. The two knights took their shields and headed on their long and perilous journey. It wasn't but two nights into their quest when they were ambushed by the enemy. A score of orcs attacked and the two knights fought back to back. 
Braystone noticed the power of the shield as he fought. It almost seemed to move of its own will, protecting the knight from unforeseen blows, allowing him to fend off multiple orcs at once. Turning in hopes to see his companion having the same advantage, he saw Sir Strongbeard struggling, bleeding from multiple wounds, at the point of death at the hands of four or five orcs. Bravestone could see at once that Strongbeard's shield was missing the third piece. Strongbeard! Bravestone quickly disposed of the final two orcs attacking him and ran toward his friend. As he moved, he saw an orc swing a battle axe down on Strongbeard, who lifted up his shield to block it. The axe struck the incomplete shield and broke it in pieces, and Strongbeard fell. Bravestone leaped through the air and took down the orc with the axe. In a matter of seconds, he had disposed of the remaining enemies, and he turned to his friend lying on the forest floor. Strongbeard weakly said, ah, The shield... It didn't work. Bravestone held his friend's head in his hands. Why? Why did you remove the third piece? Strongbeard coughed. <coughs> I didn't want to be seen as a loser. And with that, he gave up the ghost. Bravestone raised his eyes to the heavens and screamed, I love, love, love using humor as a shield when people are making fun of me. It's effective and it's really, really fun. It's the number three thing on Penn State's list of most effective strategies to make things better. And technically it's number two because the first two are tied at 34% and this one's at 33%. And uh, the first two, remember, was telling uh, someone at, at home and telling someone at school. Those are the top two things to uh, improve your situation if you're being bullied. And uh, But number three on the list, technically number two, is uh, making a joke out of it. And I, I love this because this one, unlike the other two, this is something that you can do that doesn't rely on anyone else taking any action. Plus, it's what I've seen to be the most effective when teens use it. Uh, I, I've seen it at school uh, when uh, I, you know, I was working at the middle school. I've also seen it with other teens I've interacted with. There was this teen uh, who was in my my ward or in my church congregation, and he, uh, you know, he was a senior in high school. He was he was pretty uh, he was he's pretty popular, uh, but he did have really big ears. Like his ears just kind of noticeably stuck out. Uh, and other than that, he was a pretty average-looking kid. And there was a time when you know, I was I was a, a young men's leader, and we're hanging out with a, a bunch of uh, the the young men. And one of his friends said something about his ears being big, and I, I forgot what it was, but I remember exactly what this boy said. This boy without missing a beat and incredibly confidently just said, oh yeah, they actually made a movie about me. Did you hear about it? It's coming out later this year, Dumbo, you gotta see it. And the way he did it was just so smooth. And it was, it was funny, everybody kind of chuckled and everybody moved on. And this kid, you know, he just couldn't be touched when it came to people making fun of his ears. So, so how do you do that? How do you use humor 
when somebody is making fun of you, when somebody's pointing things out or trying to bully you. Now, using humor is more about what you think than what you say, though I, I will try to cover both here in this episode. Uh, but let's first talk about what's going through your head. Now, when someone is making fun of you, there is a false belief everyone involved is assuming. You're assuming, the bully's assuming it, and maybe other people listening are assuming it's true. There's a logical fallacy based into the, uh, the taunting or the teasing. And that fallacy is that being you is bad or whatever you have that other people don't, or whatever they're making fun of, is bad. Now, that is not a true thing. Being you is not bad. It's just something you both are assuming is a reality, or even is a possible reality. That's what we're kind of afraid of when people start making fun of us. But you know what? It it ain't. It's not a reality that being you is bad. The kicker is, is that it only gets you because you start believing them. Maybe because the bully is convincing or maybe they're popular or maybe they have a strong argument or lots of people seem to be agreeing with them. But all of those things are all bad reasons to believe something. They're actually all part of logical fallacies. And our brain doesn't recognize it. Our brain just goes right into the mode of, oh, this is true. Me being me or this thing about me uh, it, it's true that it's a bad thing. My life is less than bec- because of it. And the the actual truth is you get to believe whatever you want about yourself. Like, that's the beauty of it. You have the option to believe the story that being me is actually a good thing. Then you can respond from a place of acceptance, security, happiness, and confidence. And Make a joke about it. Today's secret for an awesome life is this. To use humor against bullying, don't believe the fallacy in the insult that being you is bad. Being you is the best thing ever. I don't care how you look, how you talk, how you walk, uh, what you like, like the things that you like. Being you is the best thing ever. And the bully just doesn't see it. That's reality. You get to choose to make that reality. And you know what? The bully doesn't even need to see it. Only you do. So how do you believe this? Well, I did talk about this in uh, the, I think, second Bullyproof episode this month, uh, the Moonhead episode. We talked about accepting yourself for everything that you are and loving it. But here are three other tips to get yourself ready to use the shield of humor. And you'll notice these three tips are the three parts of the shield in uh, our story at the beginning of the episode. So tip number one, you are a lovable character, not an outcast. We tend to look at ourselves and our differences or whatever people want to make fun of, uh, and we tend to go, oh, that labels me an outcast. I'm weird. I'm different. I don't fit in. But I instead love to look at myself and all my foibles and weaknesses and differences as, you know what? No, no, no. I'm actually a lovable character. Like, I'm very unique. 
in this way. And I actually fit into this story of life. Uh, other people's story, my own story. Like, I'm a lovable character, not an outcast. And what I mean by that is uh, really shown in one of my favorite movies. It's an older movie. It's called Roxanne. And it stars Steve Martin. And it's a remake of uh, a classic play, uh, Cyrano de Bergiac. Now, the story of Cyrano de Bergiac is that he falls in love with a girl, but he feels like he can't get the girl because he has a large nose. In the movie with Steve Martin, they really take it to a 10. His nose is like Pinocchio. It sticks out. It's, it's, it's just extra big and it's long. And he falls in love with a girl, but he can't get this pretty girl. And, and, but he's very like, you know, poetic. And anyways, it's, it's a funny, funny movie, but also teaches a valuable lesson. In the movie, Steve Martin's character totally um, uses the fact that his nose is big and that he's different. He used it to become a lovable character. He um, loves himself and, and not always. I love it. In the movie, he does have moments where he goes in to try to get like, to see if he can get a nose job. And he puts these cards up that, that shows what he might look like with other noses that cover up his, his nose. And he's like, Oh man, but he never pulls the trigger. And in the end, he just spoiler alert, just decides to love himself for, for who he is. But he is a prime, lovable character. We look at him, we go, yep, he's different, and he fits into that story. You also, with whatever your differences are, you fit into your own story as a lovable character. That's totally possible. You uh, can choose to be a lovable character rather than viewing yourself as an outcast, an unwanted. Now, tip number two, use your uniqueness to your advantage. This kind of takes that first principle of, you know, look at yourself as a lovable character, but you can actually start to look at your, your uniqueness and your differences as something that sets you apart in a good way, that, that you have an advantage over everybody else because of your differences. Now, for example, actors have to do this in order to make money. An actor who looks like he could be a villain, can't only want roles where he is the hero. It, it won't work because he looks like a villain. Or an actor who is shorter can't just only go and audition for roles for tall athletes. He'll never get it, and he'll be frustrated, and then he'll start to think that uh, the way he looks is a disadvantage. It, it's not. If you look at your, yourself and your uniqueness as an advantage, you can use that to actually succeed more. Famous examples of actors who do this very well, Danny DeVito. Now, Danny DeVito, I don't know if you know him, uh, but he's a little bit of an older actor now. He saw the movie Matilda. He was Matilda's dad. He was Penguin in uh, the original Batman movies. Uh, and he was also in a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where... Uh, they play twins, and they look drastically different. But the whole premise is that Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, he was like uh, a test tube baby where they put all the best things into uh, a baby, but then the leftover garbage accidentally formed uh, this this twin, this other baby, and they were both, both born, but 
uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is what they were going for, but Danny DeVito was all the leftovers. Short, you know, like not attractive, not muscly and all this. So Danny DeVito, I don't know how he got that role, but when it was pitched to him that, hey, you get to play the garbage baby, right? The, 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 the baby that grows up to this man who's like super short and ugly and not that attractive, that's going to be you. Uh, he has to accept his uniqueness and go, oh my goodness, that role is perfect for me. Yes, and, and take that role to be Penguin, right? A really disgusting character, especially the way that um, Tim Burton m- made him look. But like, he just uses it to his advantage. Same with uh, Willem Dafoe, who was Green Goblin in uh, Spider-Man. That guy, he looks like a villain and he just looks different and he uses that to his advantage. Same with Steve Buscemi, all right? Google him, Steve Buscemi. He looks way different, but he uses that to his advantage. I've done this in my life. I'm bald and short, and I use that to stand out anywhere I go. And I love it. I channel myself as a lovable character, and I'm like, I'm the short, white, bald guy here in this area. That's my domain. In fact, I get kind of upset when there's another short, white, bald guy around because I'm like, dude, dude, that's my thing. It's my thing that I'm the short, pale, bald guy. So use your uniqueness to your advantage. It's totally possible. And the last tip is love to lose. Now, the innate desire in each of us is to be the winner. That's just something that we really, really want. It seems counterintuitive to our survival to be the loser, Now, this is actually a rule of improv that I discovered, and I've done improv comedy for nearly two decades now, and one of the things I discovered is that in any scene, in any interaction between two people on stage, someone's got to lose. And newbies, when they do improv, they don't want to be the loser. You know, if if like someone's acting like they're a dad and they come home and they're oh, the vase is broken, son, who broke this vase? And the son has a like a baseball in his hand. He's like, oh, um, I don't know, dad, it wasn't me. And it's clear that the son broke the vase. And dad's like, I don't know, somebody did it. Oh, and then and the son's like, well, it wasn't me. They'll go back and forth forever, and the scene won't go anywhere because neither of the new improv uh, new improvisers want to be the loser. But The scene can't progress until somebody decides to be the loser. And it's much funnier when they do. So neither the dad needs to go, oh, it wasn't you? My goodness. Well, things keep breaking around here, and I don't even know why. You know, it's, man, I I, got to talk to whoever made that vase, or I got to, maybe there's a squirrel running around. And he acts like the dad who's oblivious. Or the son is like, yeah, dad, it was me. I broke it. And then he's able to take whatever punishment's going to come or he can be rebellious or whatever, but it, it can't, the scene cannot move on until someone chooses to become the loser. It's the same in any interaction, especially with a bully. Uh, a bully comes up to you and he makes fun of your hair, your weight, your eyes, whatever. Our innate desire is to not be a loser. So we want to fight against it. Or we just want to go, uh, like, and it makes us sad that we're the loser, so we walk away. But embracing looking like the loser is actually not that bad. It's my go-to thing. In fact, I have found that choosing to be the loser in a conversation is the fastest way to become the winner. In fact, I made up this phrase. Ready? 
Learn to laugh at yourself by loving to lose. It's the only way to learn to laugh at yourself. And laughing at yourself is really fun and it makes things less dramatic. So those three ways or tips will help you be able to use the shield of humor. Now, you may be asking, okay, all right, all right. So if I get that down, what do I say though? Like, what kind of jokes do I make? Or are they all self-deprecating? Like, what, like, how do I go about doing that? So humor in these situations is best with the following ingredients. First off, I just agree with them. I accept my weakness, my difference, my failure, and I just go, yep, I'm bald. Yep, I'm short. Yep, I have a big head. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's correct. And I don't attack them. I I actually prefer to keep the focus on me. Because if I like shoot something back at them, like an insult or something, it makes it into a debate, an argument, or a fight, depending on the anger level, right? So keeping it on me shows them that I don't need to bring them down in order to build myself up. I can build myself up all on my own. Like that's something I'm totally capable of doing without bringing you down. Plus throwing insults at other people who don't have this training, just make them angrier and generally meaner. So instead, I just, I don't attack them. I I just, yeah, guys, let's put all the focus on me. I can handle it because I'm pretty awesome. Now, I can't really give you a scripted set of responses that will always work, but here's a list of my favorite types of responses to use when someone makes fun of me. And in these examples, I'll use the main thing that my middle school students usually threw at me, which is some kind of, hee hee, you're bald, right? Or you don't have any hair kind of thing. So the first way you can respond is shock and awe. Like, wait, I'm bald? What? I I would literally do that on the first or second day of school when my students started to get comfortable with me and make fun of the fact that I don't have any hair. I would say that, what? Wait, I'm bald? And I would run off to go find a mirror, you know, to go check it out. It shows them that it's like, yeah, guys, obviously I'm aware of this, uh, but isn't that funny, you know, that uh, maybe I wasn't aware of this big glaring thing that's a part of me, right? The second uh, way to respond is what I call this bad thing's a good thing. If somebody makes fun of me being bald, I go, yeah, dude, ladies love it. Ladies actually love people who are bald. It's great. Oh my goodness. And I just make it a good thing. And it's funny because it's a contrast. People are like, oh, wait, but it's not typically a good thing. But I can say it now with such believability that people are like, oh, no, yeah. Some ladies do love uh, bald guys. Next is hyperbole. I love to just, Take it and run with it to an extreme. I say something like, yeah, guys, I can't even go play pool because I get mistaken for the cue ball. People keep hitting me with their pool sticks. So it's just some kind of joke that somebody else might even make about me, but but I just make it. And when I do that, it kind of takes a little bit of their ammo away. And then they laugh and, and sometimes they'll continue it and I'll just continue it on too. I'm like, isn't this great? This is really funny. And uh, it, and that works for me as well. The next one is what I call feigned reluctance, like fake uh, not wanting to be me. And remember, at this point, I do want to be me because I'm freaking awesome. But I fake the fact that, oh, my goodness, being me is the worst. You know, they, they comment, 
about my, my baldness and I go, oh, it is the vein of my existence. Do you know how many scientists I've gone to to try to fix this? They just can't do it, right? And I, I don't use that one as much, but I have used it before and it works because they laugh like, oh my goodness, oh, it's funny. Uh, all of this shows that I've just accepted myself for who I am. And the last one is uh, probably one that I use the most. I call it, yep, and I'm still awesome. I say something like, yes, my head is totally shiny, and yet I'm still happier than most. How do I do it? I don't know. Right? And then I just kind of move on. I'm still awesome. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but I'm just still freaking amazing. Now, trying to use a shield of humor when you don't have all three pieces of the shield in place can end up hurting you more. Maybe this has happened to you, or maybe you've seen it to other, with other people, but uh, if you don't have all three of those pieces in place, you know, then you end up laughing with the bully and then crying yourself to sleep at night. Uh, that's a sure sign that you don't have one or all three of the pieces firmly in place. They, they need to be a little strengthened, one or all of those pieces, before you can use the shield in battle. So whenever I find that people's comments about me, who I am, what I do, starts to sting a little bit, I take a moment, I do some self-coaching, and I strengthen all three pieces of that shield. I become a lovable character. I don't look at myself as an outcast. I choose to find the advantages in my uniqueness, and I just choose to love to lose in the conversation because that's really winning. So if you're going to use the shield of humor, make sure you have all three of those pieces in place so you can be like Sir Bravestone. Don't try to go in using it without one of those pieces because then you'll probably end up more like Sir Strongbeard and ain't nobody want to end up like him. The theme this month in my team coaching membership, the Firmly Founded Teen, will also be becoming bullyproof. We'll be doing in-depth training and coaching for teens on the topics my podcast will be covering. If you know a teen who is being bullied, then send them and their parents to firmlyfounded.com slash teen to sign up. The first 30 days are free so they can get all the bully-proof training this month at no cost to them. And then they can leave if they want. I don't care. The bullies and bystanders this month will be getting their trainings. Let's make sure those who feel bullied get theirs as well. 